from the Bibbs Music Room. I'm your host, Bibbs, and here we're going to talk about music, inspiration, life, and everything in between. Now, here we go in three, two, one. Yeah. yeah. All right, so rolling. All right. <coughs> um, excuse me if I cough or blow my nose. My allergies are Those out of whack. I'm right there with right. you. All right. <laughs> it's been okay. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Take your time. Hey guys, welcome back. Uh, today we're joined with Logan. Hello. 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 Thanks All right, you want to give us a little background info on who you are, a bit of your musical journey. Absolutely. So, my, as she said, my name's Logan. I, uh, I'm currently drumming for the band Eastern Fault right now. Uh, I joined them back in November, but I've been drumming for the past roughly 15 years now. I started in 2008, which is really cool. Uh, I mainly started as a jazz drummer, which was definitely a big change from going from jazz into like some really fast-paced metal. How do you, <laughs> you start into jazz? Um, so the main, the main reason I started in jazz was just based off a lot of like rhythmic patterns, bunch of fun rudiment stuff that I was really into at the time. Mm-hmm. And then tying that in with, uh, just like high school and middle school band stuff, it okay. just, it just went hand in hand. And then from there, um, I also went to a performing arts, like middle school, charter school thing, and they were heavily, heavily influenced through jazz and jazz band, choir band, stuff like that. So going into that, along with my lessons outside of school, it was just all right there for jazz. But mm-hmm. when I started listening in to more like your stereotypical like emo rock, heavy metal stuff like that, that's when I started gearing towards that. How was the transition from playing jazz into like that kind of like emo rock? Honestly, it was easier than expected because there was a lot. There's a lot of like different timing things that you have to worry about with jazz, and then pushing into that more uh, on beat on tempo mm-hmm. style is just a little bit easier on my end. It's just more so keeping up with repetition yeah. because you'll you tire out really quick going from those really fast paced movements. Yeah, I feel like um, I'm experienced with like both like with a lot of genres like both mm-hmm. jazz and like metal and stuff like that. And with jazz, I feel like with playing jazz music, like um, physically. Mm-hmm. Dep- until you get to like the really like tough stuff like physically like, for, the, for the most part it's not too bad like there's some like technical things where it's like like doubles and like swing and yeah. stuff like that but like once you have that down like generally like as long as you like kind of understand how to do it it's not that bad with, with like metal and stuff like that like if your stamina is not there like like right away exactly like even when i'm playing shows now like we're only playing like a twenty-five minute set, and I'm dying after fifteen. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all it's all just really getting your stamina up, like you said. On top of that, just making sure that you can have that same dynamic range, because that's something I take pride in: is keeping mm-hmm. that dynamic mm-hmm. value within my play style. Yeah. Do you so. ever practice with ankle weights? Actually, it's new. I thing. have never, <laughs> and I think I probably should, because that will definitely help. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I've been planning on doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Cause um, do you know the drummer Gene Hoagland? 
I do. I so do. that's like his whole practice routine. His whole practice routine is very much like the whole like Babe Ruth and baseball. Like Babe Ruth had like he always liked at the practice room was holding three baseball bats. Yeah. So Gene Hogan, what he did, he got three drumsticks, taped them together, and practiced in a practice pad like that. So on a practice pad, he'll get very comfortable holding three like beefy sticks. Yeah. And then when he goes to like one stick and he's actually playing. He's able to fly like like it's nothing. And with his feet, he'll do like five pound anc- ankle weights. Yeah. And he won't just practice like that. He'll play in the shows with like the halfway weights. through the set with ankle weights on. Huh. And like once it's like up to the song where like he really needs to go fast, they come off and he'll just be like flying like that. So smart. I decided to start with ankle weights. Um, I think I'm I have like three pound ankle weights right okay. now. But yeah, like uh. It's very interesting playing with them on, because mm-hmm. I'm not used to feeling, like, actual weight, like, holding down, like, my ankles. Like, I'm used to just kind of, like... Kind of, like, flying through it, right? Flying and just, yeah. like, <laughs> letting my feet just kind of, like, move. So it's, it's a weird feeling, but, like, I've noticed after practicing for, like, 15, 20 minutes with them on and then taking them off, it's, like, actually a huge difference. Like, even just, like, one or two practice sessions. So, like, as time goes on, like, it's, it should be a huge improvement for, like, practicing and playing live and stuff. Oh yeah, I might have to give that a shot then. Shit. Hey, you definitely <laughs> should give it a shot. Like that that's that's something I didn't even think of. Holy shit. <laughs> I can't even imagine just like watching just like I don't know, it's crazy. It's wild. <laughs> um anyways, so what was your first band that you got into and went playing? So like what I was listening to type band or the, like the first band you started playing with? Oh, is, was that so the first the first group I initially started playing with was a DJ duo, and I was their drummer for them. It was kind of like a chain smoker effect. Um, they were called Incipient. They're based out of Allentown, PA, and it was we played two shows. Um, I played two shows with them. They they did a bunch of cool like house deep DJ EDM stuff. It was really dope. Um, went really smooth. Uh, just the project kind of died down a little bit so i stepped away just to focus more on my my personal projects that i've mm-hmm. been working on because i've i've also d- done a couple like producing projects on the other side with like lo-fi chill step stuff which was really mm-hmm. fun so that was the first group i initially played with live i was a part of like some cover bands in high school nothing crazy uh we didn't do like any shows we just kind of screwed around and had fun mm-hmm. it was fun it was I a good time some of those yeah like little jam bands you mm-hmm. know so the ma- the big the big main group that i've ever been a part of for anything first related would definitely be eastern fault mm-hmm. though and how'd you uh become a part of that so i initially started as a fill-in for their old drummer uh, alberto he was he's a phenomenal drummer he he wanted to focus on uh some other personal projects of his life so they asked me to fill in. I joined. I joined in with them to fill in last July, July of 2022. And from there, uh, we played a couple shows. They had like four of them booked in, and they just needed a drummer. So I was like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> and they uh, they asked me to hop on full time. So I was I, very appreciative. Like, uh, that that's definitely a good way to like kind of get into places. Like if you if you kind of make a name for yourself like locally. Like, eventually somebody will be like, oh, like, you want to fill in for, like, this person? And they'll be like, yeah, sure. Like, learn some songs. Like, you'll hop in. And, like, at some point, like, a lot of times they'll be like, hey, like, you want to fully join? And then, like, that's how, like, a lot of people get, like, gigs that way. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, any opportunity 
can be sought through as a like a kind of like a stepping stone you know like it's all just adding on to your portfolio and Mm -hmm. allowing you to get your foot into the right direction that you want to be in thankfully eastern fall took me on and saw that i was worthy of their time i guess i don't know i don't know how else to say it but they uh they definitely took me under their wing i was not as nearly as fast or like any anywhere near where i'm at right now when mm-hmm. i first started with them so they uh they definitely progressed me with music within the whole industry everything in between mm-hmm. was there any like stress or like well what feelings arose when it comes to like replacing a drummer so in the back of my mind there was there was always that lingering thought of I have some big shoes to fill in because he Bert can absolutely fly he he has the stamina he has the de- determination everything looking for that genre of music which is more like that tech def type feel and he his play style versus my play style was a little bit miscued. So trying to fill in all the uh, the standards that were already preset by him as well as throwing in my own personal taste with it allowed me to kind of bend bend the, uh, the mindset of like wh- what direction we're going mm-hmm. in and like how how everything's just kind of folding in together. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't hard to like, get in there and like mesh with the whole band oh no the guys the guys were phenomenal i love love them to death when i first joined um just as a fill-in for the first practice it was like family already as is they were super open really dope dudes funny as hell so i feel like that's one of the most important things especially when it comes to general with new people Mm -hmm. like if you can get along with the people i feel like that's like the most important thing oh yeah because like if you if you get along with them really well but, like, jamming-wise doesn't click right away. Eventually, it will click. But, like, jamming-wise, like, let's say it clicks right away, but, like, you just don't like the guy. Mm. Like, even though you're, like, you might jam perfectly, you're going to hate jamming with them every single time if you just don't like them. So I yeah. feel like liking the people, having a good environment is, like, a really mm. important thing for, like, having a, a good gig. Just creating that, like, same same level, like, mindset between everyone and just enjoying the time that you have with each other is just automatically way more valuable than anything that you're going to write anything that you're going to play practice anything Mm -hmm. in between like just enjoying the time that you have with these people that you are tagging along with to create this amazing brand is already Mm -hmm. priceless (laughs) so so you guys have released some new singles oh yeah so we just released flower crown and on um they just came out a couple weeks ago actually so it was it was definitely definitely a a learning stone for me because these were my first two releases with the band officially Mm -hmm. uh there was a release prior when i was a fill-in called dove letter which is doing pretty good right now which i'm pretty pretty happy about it's a fun one to play it's a nice little down tempo one Mm -hmm. but uh flower crown on first two releases for me there was a lot for me to learn on that side of things regarding like the whole process of recording and getting everything mastered, which both producers that we worked with, absolutely phenomenal guys, Eric Nowroski, Sean Whirl, phenomenal dudes. Um, there was just a lot of a lot of backlash in my own head trying to get everything screwed in correctly, just because mm-hmm. I'm I'm fresh and new to this 
seen. I've never done anything like this on this high of a high of a level. So mm. kind of taking it all in as is and hitting it hitting it on the nail, trying to get everything rolling. <laughs> but it, it turned out well. So, so were they already written? Um so they they were partially written. They were they were all kind of like ideas based around um different different aspects of all four of us really and within the drum parts those were those were written by Bert um I I went in tweaked a little bit trying to add in my own style add my own flair but um it was kind of like a joint effort between me and him to get it to where they uh sound now <laughs> do you have like a process when it comes to writing so personally for me writing goes based off the feel of uh, the rest of the instrumental. Whenever I write any sort of drum drum line, whether it's um, MIDI or acoustic, it all depends on what what other instrumental is already written, what feel you're initially going for from start to finish, and are you telling a story or are you just playing music, you know? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of different avenues you can take. There's a lot of different dynamic changes, tempo changes, and there's so there's so much that goes into the whole writing process to create that beautiful masterpiece at the end that it's 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 hard to kind of like find fine line what exactly you're gonna do you yeah. know yeah how long was the whole process of recording it because I know like I've been to the studio with him a few times mm-hmm. and it's like I feel like it should not take as long <laughs> as it does to make like one song like so you're in for like weeks like. <laughs> So depending depending on the song, the project, or whether you're working on a full EP, a full album, just one or two songs, um, there's there's so many different steps going into it. Just writing from starting from writing the demo piece by piece, getting it ready for pushing it to the recording studio, where you're gonna record everything live, or you're gonna have it at least altered to where it sounds live. And then whether that same producer or a different producer is going to be mastering all those recorded audio files, that's where it all ties into that longer, prolonged time because there's so many finute uh, audio waves and like different changes that are going to happen that you're going to want. There's going to be changes that you're going to maybe re-record. Like you don't you don't know what's going to really happen to those songs until it happens right then and there. Yeah. And sometimes you'll scrap the whole project. Sometimes you'll scrap certain pieces. Sometimes it'll come out perfect the first try. You just never know. Mm-hmm. So the time the time will never be as valuable as long as you're pushing out the product that you are 100% okay with, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So you said, like, <coughs> this is, like, one of your first times recording in a studio, like, big time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have a preference when it comes to, like, recording in a studio to, like, make it perfect? Or like playing live. So these these audio tracks um, for these last two, these were primarily done through a MIDI con- MIDI controller. So it wasn't a my live drumming on these audios or audios. The last two songs. <laughs> um, but when I recorded the uh, the most recent music video I put out with Four Flower Crown, it was a drum playthrough on our YouTube. Um, that was all live audio, live tracked, and it was it was definitely a different experience because I had to learn how to set up the mics correctly so that it's capturing all the sounds that I'm looking for because I have a limited mic setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, learning how to make everything sound 
at least to my standard studio quality with air quotes <laughs> so that I'm pushing out something at the best of my ability because I don't want to half-ass something and then mm-hmm. someone be like, oh, what the hell? This doesn't sound anywhere near what you expected, you know? So as long as it's 100% on my end, I I feel like you'll push out to where it should be. Yeah. That video was so cool. Like, <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, the now, guy, the videographer was Johnny Nightmare. Yeah, Johnny Nightmare, Johnny Service. Uh, real dope dude. Absolutely yeah. love him. I met him through uh, a band called Take the Name, who's based out here in Bethlehem. Yeah. Uh, they, they've they worked with him a whole bunch, and I met him at one of the shows that they played. Uh, and it was uh, tagged along with Until I Wake, Dark Divine, and uh, Catch Your Breath. Phenomenal show. And we were chatting it up a little bit, talking about cameras and stuff because i shoot photography a little bit and from there uh just kind of connected there and i reached out to him to do a little playthrough just because i wanted to diverse myself into every avenue of the uh, yeah. the industry <laughs> how and many takes did it take we shot over over like 15 or 20 takes oh. it was like a five hour recording process oh. and honestly i loved every moment of it uh-huh. just going back to back hammering in on that song millions of times it's probably one of my favorite songs to play with the band as mm-hmm. is so it worked out pretty well and he he was really really helpful with me because i've never done this before and i explained that to him we went through a couple different changes um from my end to his end and he was very very cooperative very patient with me honestly the best experience i've mm-hmm. had to date yeah so i feel like uh, with like covers or like playthroughs and stuff like that i feel like a lot of people that watch but don't actually do it don't understand the process of actually Mm. doing it because like i've seen like so many like um more famous people like uh uh, do you know ellis tapario siberiano i do and he is quite like fucking wow (laughs) his technique is literally ridiculous it's Mm -hmm. like it's like not fair but um like when he records, mm-hmm. like it's so perfect. People don't realize that like he does like 30, 40 takes exactly. every time because he doesn't play like like perfect every single time. Yeah, it's never gonna be off that one rip. Like you'll have that off chance where it might be, but there's still gonna be Th- something. Those, those like off chances are like th- they're still pretty rare. Exactly. Like, even like professional like really really good drummers like they all have like off days. They'll have like they all mess up and stuff. So, like, if you want to have, like, that perfect recording, like, it'll take, like, a, a lot of takes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, it's like you record till you have the perfect one. It's not like they splice it together. So, yes and no. There's going to be there's gonna be parts where you could have a full one, one take completely, like, perfect to your liking. Or you can have a take where you're splitting it up, like you said, splicing it. Mm-hmm in between all these individual shots that you took where there's like one specific part that you like that you're like hey i want to see that in the video because i really liked how this looked and how yeah. it felt like there's there's a couple different avenues you can go about it mm-hmm. gotcha. so starting um with this band um and you know doing a lot more than you're used to yeah <laughs> uh and having a bigger platform uh, do you get nervous still when you're on stage? On stage, not as much anymore. It just mm-hmm. depends on depends on who's in the crowd. If I know the people in the crowd, I'm trying to like 
really impressed these these people I invited out to see me. Mm-hmm. I I will 100% be nervous the whole time because I know I'm gonna fuck up one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I I do every show. It is what it is. We're not we're not all perfect. <laughs> so, uh, but for the most part, I'm I get in my own head. And I put in like this whole fake persona, kind of, and. It's, it's kind of like similar to like my acting with Dorney for the Halloween haunt. I just go into like this whole different world where I'm a whole different person. I'm putting on mm-hmm. a show, you know. So once once the songs are over and we're done playing our set, I go back to my normal self and I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm good now. I'm tired, but here yeah. I am. <laughs> so <laughs> have you noticed that you have a a drummer face? I I have quite a drummer face. I put on so many faces and it's kind <laughs> of funny, but I've I've picked out a couple good ones because I've over the past few shows, like the one the one show we had in New York, up in Long Island, uh, the, there was a gentleman named Josh Held. He he took some phenomenal photos and he found probably three of the best faces that I've ever made on stage, <laughs> and they look so. So stupid, but I love them. I love them to death. I'll have to send them over to you guys. But they're freaking, they're freaking awesome. I feel like whenever I get like my drummer face, I feel like it's always the exact same face, <laughs> and it's so funny. Cause like I, all the pictures I've seen, I've seen of it, like it's with the most like evil looking face. Yep, so yep. Funny. You get into like that demonic type look. And yeah, it's like yep. I know, ex- so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Do you have any um, top shows that you've played? So far, out of all all the shows, and I think I've played like nine or ten shows with them right now. I I have I've lost count at this point. the The Long Island show was definitely probably one of my top three, just because it was it was in like this really cool like this. It was called Nostalgia Nostalgia Bar. It's based off the '90s, and it's this really cool dive bar. Love it to death. It, the whole aesthetic was really dope. Uh, and it wasn't like your normal standard, like traditional stage level or anything. Like you're just right there on the floor with the crowd, having a good time. And honestly, it was really, it's really eye opening to me because I'm I'm so used to going to like all these big festivals, all the shows, and all these like cool venues that have like the whole the whole nine yards. And now we're just playing really cool like bar shows, backyard shows, and all that cool stuff that most people don't get to see often because it's all like that limited like dm for address here this and that we haven't done many of those but still it's it's a cool vibe um the big the best like top number one show that i've played was probably the most recent one at plant trog when we played like the really cool big satellite room because we played we played the smaller stage before the galaxy room which was really dope but that that bigger stage was definitely on one of my bucket lists so that was really cool for me (laughs) when it comes to like finding gigs some the music you play is very heavy. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure there's less opportunity out there to play that, because I feel like with a lot of people that we know, they play like acoustic stuff mm-hmm. or like pretty chill stuff. But like, I feel rest- like a lot of it depends on the location, because some places are very metal friendly. I I don't know if I'd, I've ever been to a restaurant that just had like a I mean, metal I mean, thing. Wow. There's, there's there's like different environments for certain things like. Like a lot of times, like like a big stage where somebody's gonna be playing like metal music, mm-hmm. you're not as often gonna see somebody playing acoustic covers there. And yeah, in, in, yeah. in a restaurant, you're not gonna see a metal band playing there. You're gonna see somebody playing acoustic. So there's different environments where certain bands are more likely to be there than somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Well, just the caveat off that, it also just depends on what 
what the place is. Like, mm-hmm. let's say it is a restaurant. Sometimes um, places will either just shut down early and then set it up for their event style mm-hmm. uh, for that restaurant. And they'll charge the door, of course, and all that good stuff. And then there's other times where you'll have, like, maybe a weekly basis off of, like, these bands that are just flooding in left and right, depending on whatever genre they're playing. Sometimes it's just cover bands that are playing, like, your normal standard hard rock stuff. Sometimes you'll have some rappers. It just all depends on, really, what location you're looking at. As far as gigs for us, specifically, within our our crazy subgenre, <laughs> there's, there's a weird demand. It's it just it really depends on what who's coming around. If you're able to set it up for your local scene, if it's if you're waiting for more bigger bands like kind of like national regional bands to come around, tag along with them. It's there's there's a couple different ways you can really go about it. Like there's there's some bands that all ta- tag team with each other, do a double headliner. They're both locals, but they're going to do around the area so that they can start growing off their brand. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times where promoters will reach out to you, and then, or you'll reach out to them. It, there's there's a lot of different a lot of different ways they can go about it. But sometimes the gigs will find you. Sometimes you're hosting the gigs. Sometimes yeah. you have to go look for them. So it, it just really depends what you're uh, what you're trying to do. Yeah, I guess it is true. Like some places do turn into other things for shows. Like I know my brother used to be in a punk band. And he played at Connections, like the art gallery oh, really? downtown. Like, so weird. Huh. And that's the show. That was the one show I went to for him because I was like, oh, it's at an art gallery. Like, it can't. I didn't know what punk was. I was like, twelve years old, and I was like, it can't be that bad. I just want to see my brother play some music. Yeah. And so my mom and I went, and there's just like this huge mosh pit, and I ended up getting kicked. So hard, oh. and my mom was like, "All right, we're leaving. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're, gosh. we're done." Um, Connections is a fun place to play. I've played there before. Yeah. So, is the type of music you play what you listen to? I primarily yes. Mm-hmm. I will say yes. I listen to a lot of more gentier, more technical side of metal. I like. I love my metalcore. Love my tried and true clean vocals all that stuff the clean guitars i love i love me some pop i can't go wrong with pop mm. we all love Katy perry <laughs> so uh but i i definitely have a vast variety when it comes to listening to music country it's a 50 50 but that's a given uh but for the most part i i, I do listen to a lot more of the heavier side of things gotcha so i'm not a metal head um but you two are <laughs> so I feel like any music that involves screaming in my mind is metal. Okay. But you've broke it down into some genres. Can you break it down for me, or you both can? Like what? <laughs> what classifies actually as metal, and then like technical metal? And so, at least on the technical aspect, it's it's more prominent based off like the instrumental side of things where you're having those crazy sweeps and runs through the guitars, a lot of fast paced movement through the, the drumming, everything meshing in between. Um, when it goes into like the more metalcore side, in my opinion, it's more of that lighter uh, standard. Like you're going to have some, some little riffs here and there. You're going to have a lot more chugs. You're going to have a lot more uh, just like power chord stuff, but it's still going to have that same harsher vocal 
not not necessarily screaming, but it's gonna have that harsher tone. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't know if you feel the same on that, but that that's kind of where I kind yeah, of like oh, oh, differentiate oh, yeah, like, it. I, I, I agree with you with like a lot of that stuff. So yeah, <laughs> like what? For if you want to get into like more precise stuff, like what makes like metal different from rock? I feel like with how wide music has become, like genres and stuff, that that like gap between like rock and metal and stuff has become like hard to kind of pinpoint. Honestly, the the mesh between is is definitely hard to pinpoint for sure cuz like you can have you can have more of your rock style kind of like that ACDC Metallica vibe where everything is just re- re- repetition, patterns on patterns on patterns on patterns. And then you'll go into more of like let's say what's a band that I can think of? There's, like, hmm, maybe, like, of Mice and Men, like, earlier of Mice and Men, and, like, all those other, like, heavier bands, like Asking Alexandria and stuff mm-hmm. like that on, on their earlier side, where they had they had those same elements, but they also added in additional, uh, let's say, additional notation, additional uh, sounds, orchestral vibes, like, your strings, your pianos and stuff, just m- adding in more material to create a bigger sound essentially it's uh, just that one cookie cutter way which yeah. is kind of where i think rock is more towards mm-hmm. so that's that's just kind of my guy my take on that i guess <laughs> yeah i don't know I it's it's a very wide spectrum <laughs> would you say that having such like a niche or i would is it, is it oh, like it's, a niche? oh it's very niche yeah what we do is very niche would you, <laughs> does that benefit you when it comes to performance or would you say that it kind of I, I would I wouldn't say benefit because it can go either way I yeah. feel like it's a more neutral uh, neutral position just because we we kind of define ourselves as pop tech because we have more of that pop punk vibe with within our uh, technical metal stuff uh, defend pop tech of course but <laughs> going in with all that just the the difference between all the standard like metalcore, deathcore bands that are out out and about doing their thing and power to them. L- love what they do. I listen to them daily. Um, you're gonna s- it. It's good to stand out a little bit and have your own pace, have your own interpretation on what everyone else is thinking. Because we we'll still pull from bigger bands, smaller bands that have done something really cool and say like, hey, I like what they did. Let's see if I can do something similar to it because you're not going to plagiarize them and then from there it's kind of just building off that little that little idea like i was just doing this last night for a buddy of mine he sent me a couple different songs a couple different uh genres of within the metal community from bad omens to ice nine kills and all this other stuff and he was like hey i want to work on something of this nature i'm kind of working on my voice for it do you think you could write me an instrumental like yeah sure i'll give it a shot why not so from there not only have i pulled little ideas here and there from all these different bands but i'm also adding in my own little twist so that it creates a kind of a newer sound but still sticks to the same tones that everyone Mm -hmm. sots out for and people that are looking for that same vibe yeah so are you strictly drum I I have ventured out quite a few. So I 
I started primarily on clarinet in fourth grade, as everyone does. <laughs> and from there, I, I moved over to the percussion side of things. I learned a lot of just like your standard concert percussion from the snare drum, bass drum, uh, cretales. I've, I've learned basically almost every single hand percussion instrument you could possibly think of. I've also self-taught myself piano, a little bit of guitar, bass, um, violin, stand-up bass, cello, a little bit of trumpet, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've definitely always wanted to venture out and learn as much as I can within just music in general, just because there's so much that you can take in and utilize through anything, really, even like daily life, just because people can always relate back to music there's always mm -hmm. that one song there's always that one chorus that everyone can pinpoint and be like that's my song that is my song right there and having that knowledge of all these different tones all these sounds all these different instruments vocally everything it's easier to like help people find new music help them feel a certain way when it comes to listening to different types of genres that they're not used to stuff like that so do you scream barely <laughs> I, I will not do it right now though because i my voice is shot right now but i can i've been learning i'm trying my best but it's definitely it's definitely a process because i've i've done a little bit of research on it yeah um we all we all know will ramos and laura shore and all that he does all this crazy stuff but he's also done a bunch of videos with vocal instructors on YouTube and all these other social media platforms that have kind of opened up a new world of how the whole vocal process really works. Now, there's there are millions of videos on how it actually works, but for at least what I've seen, at least like I've I've never really dived this deep into trying to figure out how to recreate sounds and put my own taste on it because if you're just trying to recreate someone else's sound then you're not going to develop the, the tone that you're looking for you know you have to want to learn the feel and like project the feel that you're wanting mm -hmm. you know because from there then you'll be able to do like the uh, stuff so. <laughs> so with like the screaming and like stuff you're learning mm -hmm. like what kind are you learning there's like all different types I've, there's like growling there's yeah, what, like, like the growls the fries higher pitch like str like screams and like fries and stuff yeah. like that i've i've liked going into um the higher side the higher middle tone uh fry screaming just because it's 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 out there it's like your standard your standard screams but it also adds in a different texture to certain songs depending on what you're playing i've i've try doing lower lower like growling stuff and it's it's very difficult for me because i have a that, i have a higher pitch voice really okay yeah, i um i remember i was trying to get into it like long long time ago like maybe like four or five years ago was when i was like really starting to get into it and i was just like i was like i like this music mm -hmm. i want to be able to sing along to it so how could i do that so i started looking up videos of like tutorials and like how to do it and, like, um, a lot of the videos, like, they made sense, but, like, it can't, like, physically, like, show me, like, you want your throat to feel like this. Because, like, I, you could say, like, okay, make this sound, but, like, if I can't make that sound, I don't know, like, how to, like, actually, like, get that feeling mm -hmm. to make that sound. So, I just, like, 
I would practice like in my car. I would uh, watch tons and tons of videos on how to do it. And then at some point, um, I went to a concert and it was, oh, what concert was it? It was Slayer Final Tour. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and there's a few opening bands. Um, it was like Behemoth, Amana Marth. I would love to see them. I think like Testament <laughs> and then Slayer. Okay. And then I think Anthrax might have been in there too. I don't remember. I think they were one of the bands that were uh, kind of like flip flopping between. So. Yeah, because I remember I remember seeing that flyer. That was I wish I went. Yeah, I, I saw them. I saw Slayer on the final tour twice. I think. I think both times was when Anthrax was there. I think Anthrax. It was either Anthrax or Testament got swapped out for somebody else. I don't okay. remember. It was, they got like swapped out for like Creator or something like that for like the European tour for like yeah. the, the U.S. tour something like that. But um. Like, I was a huge fan of, of Amon Amarth. Yeah. And um, I was just, like, in the crowd. I was, like, listening to the music. And, like, I had gotten into them, like, fairly recently before that show. So, like, I knew a good amount of songs. But there was a lot of songs I didn't know. And then I think it was, like, right after their um, one album. Oh, I don't remember what it was called. Like, like, like Jam's Viking or something like that. It's like blue. It's like the Viking, like standing like next to like a boat or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm terrible with album names. So. Like, <laughs> I think that might be the album name, but I, I yeah. could be wrong. But um, somewhere of that like, nature. Like, like the <laughs> big song off the album that, that they started playing, uh, "Raise Your Horns." Okay. Um, I was like, oh, I know this song. I'm just gonna try to sing it. And um, when it comes to like singing, like. Even to this day, but, like, not as bad as it used to be, I have, like, terrible, like, vocal stage fright. Mm -hmm. So, like, if it comes to, like, singing in front of people, like, I, like, freeze up and, like, I can't do it. So, I used to be the exact same way until I started going to karaoke. (laughs) Now, let me freaking tell you, I, I used to hate singing and doing anything vocally in front of people. And my buddies pushed me to do this karaoke thing, and we did it. Uh, rivals in Easton every Thursday night for a solid like three months straight probably the most fun I've ever had at a bar (laughs) let's let's just start there and on top of that like I'm just going up there singing like Ocean Avenue by Yellow Car Check Yes Juliet all the all the fun the fun like pop punk songs and it slowly started to just realize I don't need to be afraid of these random people that don't know who the hell I am. <laughs> I, I thought to like, get over that part. Yeah. Even go growl at my dogs. Yeah, growl. Gra- <laughs> when, hey. when it comes to but growling, I have no stage fright. When it comes to like actually singing, like I, I where did we do that up. karaoke? It was like somewhere in Allentown. I like, don't remember. It was like some. Wasn't it kind of by rest- Dorney? Yeah, it was a restaurant like oh, attached to a hotel shit. across from Dorney. Links. I have no I th- idea. I think that was I think, it. I think that was I'm it. pretty sure it's Lynx. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, so at this concert, yeah. it was a Monomarth, and, like, back, back when I was, like, seeing them, mm-hmm. I had even more stage fright for, like, everything. So, I was like, you know what? Everybody's screaming along. Nobody could hear me. I could barely even hear myself. So, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to fully go for it. So, I went for it to go sing along, and then all of a sudden, it just, like, clicked, and I was mm-hmm. like... I couldn't really hear myself, but, like, I felt it, and it, it felt like I was making that sound because it was, like, that, like, vibration that, like, felt, like, 
it, I was doing something was right. Yeah. Like before I would practice, and it would just like hurt. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, that's not right. And I'd practice, it would hurt. And this time I was doing it, and I was like, oh. It's like, it's like <laughs> the same feeling that was like coming out of my mouth, but it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And then, af- like right after that show, I tried it like on my own, and I was like, I just like unlocked the ability to like do like gutturals and stuff like that. And then yeah. for the next like two, three years, I would annoy the shit out of my friends by just growling <laughs> everything possible. I would growl their names. I would growl the alphabet. Yeah. I would like growl all that stuff because like to get the sound is one thing, but to enunciate words with that sound is it's a like, whole that, different beast. Yeah. <laughs> In my opinion, no one enunciates anything. Like whenever I listen to you not listen no, to the right I, screen. No, I uh, cannot understand a single thing being said. Once you like understand and how to translate basic growl, no. like I feel like when it comes to like under like translating some growls, a lot of it you could kind of figure it out. But then there's like some bands where it's like. You could be reading the words and you and you like listen to it at the same time. You're like, I have no clue like how mm-hmm. that sounds like this word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I would like growl like all my friends and stuff, and they would get so pissed off at me. They'd be like, like, dude, shut up! You've been doing this like literally the last two years. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'll just do it in my car. So, like, I've just been doing it in my car for a long time, and then getting better at like growling actually helped a lot when it came to actually singing. Yep. So I feel like when it comes to like breath control and stuff like that with growling it's harder because you're forcing out a lot more air at once Mm -hmm. so when it came to singing like i with like learning how to like like sing and like scream and growl and all that stuff i kind of learned everything backwards okay i learned how to do gutturals first and then i learned how to do like clean singing first and now i'm now i'm learning how to do like higher pitch like fry screams and stuff like that yeah so I feel like that, that journey is kind of backwards, starting out with gutturals and then clean singing. But, like, learning how to, like, literally hold out, like, a growl, like, the way that you do that is, like, very weird. So when I eventually translated that to clean singing, I was like, it's so much easier because I'm not really manipulating my throat as much. So I could just, like, hold it out for a lot longer, and that made that whole journey easier. But when I first started out singing, I didn't understand how to, like, um really project like everything i would sing would just be falsetto so i didn't understand like head voice chest voice i would just falsetto everything yeah and i was like my range is crazy because like <laughs> i'm doing like falsetto like super <laughs> high. i'm like like i would be like doing that along to like um like pantera like the end of uh cemetery gates where it's like yeah. goes super high up and i was like doing that just fine i was like i was like all right what? I, was, like, I was like i can do that no problem and then people are like that you're doing a falsetto he's doing it like chest voice and i was like what does that mean mm-hmm. and then i do that i'm like okay I, my range is not as crazy yeah. as i thought so it was a really fun journey but like um one thing that's that was a lot tougher than expected was like I've, I've worked on my range a lot i've worked a lot more on expanding my range higher than lower yeah and expanding it lower is so hard it's it's definitely a weird timbre because yeah. like you'll you'll feel you'll start feeling it in your in your gut and your diaphragm and all that shit, yeah. and then it's just it just feels so awkward because you're trying to push something that you're not normally used to going into yeah. that lower register. It so. almost feels like you're holding out a long burp almost. Basically, yeah. And I've tried my best and I've puked once <laughs> because of how how weird that feeling was. It was just it felt like a gagging type feeling, mm-hmm. you know. 
like having that like that snot bubble in the back of your throat so yeah like it's like it comes from like a different area because like fry screaming kind of comes from like like higher up and like in the back of the throat gutturals and growling comes from like like deeper in like the throat mm-hmm. so like when you start doing stuff like that it could feel like oh like something is coming up your throat literally <laughs> see Hell i yeah. i just i've never understood the screaming i like the music i like everything except the screaming Gotta give it a try know. for yourself then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I didn't always you just like gotta it. Start. Yeah. I didn't always like it. The band that actually got me into it was uh, the band Gojira. Oh, okay. Because like, yeah. it wasn't even from listening to them, but it was from seeing them live. Yeah. Because like with music, I, I've seen. Okay. I, I've grown up with like a lot of music that my mom yeah. likes, and she likes a lot of like rock and heavy metal stuff. So like, um, I went to like concerts, and I would go for like <laughs> the headline, and like the headliners would be like Rob Zombie, because like my mom likes Rob Zombie, so I'll go see Rob Zombie, like Disturbed or whatever. Yeah. And there was these opening bands, like yeah, like Gojira. There was like, uh, who else? A lot of other bands, like Behemoth, like Testament, stuff like that. And when I saw them live, I was like, this is different from hearing it in the recording. So in the mm-hmm. recording, I could just kind of go like pause, skip song. When you're at a live show, you're listening to the whole song, or you're leaving. So yeah. it's like. So <laughs> if you don't want to leave and it's like you kind of have to listen to the whole song. So when you're forced to do that, it's like, oh, like these are actually like really good songs. Mm-hmm. Like I like seeing it live, like Lamb of God when we saw them. <gasps> I liked Lucky watching them live. But I, I would never like turn on a Lamb of God song. So good. What? I've seen Lamb of God like three or four times. Yeah. It was so good. I would like very entertaining to watch him mm-hmm. go crazy. Yeah, they're very energetic on yeah. stage. But – I would never turn on a song in my car. Never. Like, I just... So, I kind of feel the same way about that with Gojira. Because I just don't... I don't listen to Gojira enough to, like, classify myself as a major Gojira fan. I love their music. They have some I, really I'm cool songs. <laughs> well, that's all you, man. <laughs> no. But I've seen... I saw them um, when Rock Allegiance was a thing from 2015 to 2018. They, they were finishing out the one stage. And they probably had one of the best stage presents that that's I've where I saw. ever seen him. Like it was over in uh, Camden, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh my god, phenomenal show! And they, that's that's what really put me onto them and just like started listening a little bit to them. But I wouldn't be just listening to them left or right on my own. Like I, yeah. I have, I have my babies that I listen to. <laughs> yeah, like um, like I would say, like the heaviest like sounding thing before I really got into them was like. Maybe Metallica. Okay. Like Metallica, like Slayer a little bit. But like, that's like thrash metal. I've never really done. Yeah. Like before then, I didn't really dig into like things that like were down tuned and mm. stuff like that. Like Gen, anything like that. Like, All the new metal Like shit. hardcore yeah. and stuff like that. Like I didn't really know that stuff. And then like as I would see more bands, I'm like, I really like, have to dig into this stuff. So I just went and listened to like everything. Mm-hmm. When I When I first started like listening to a lot of this genre and like getting to the shows and everything my first show by the way i am king stargazer in the basement of crocodile rock in allentown pa best freaking experience of my life and i'm so happy i went shout out to both of those bands love them to death um but the main the main band that got me into like this genre as a whole was corn because my mom my mom absolutely loved corn still does shouldn't say love but um, she brought me to every single corn show that would come out here from Camden, New Jersey, all the way up to Scranton, PA. 
and we've seen them probably collectively about 14, 16 times now in the span of my 15 years of listening to the stuff and playing to the stuff. Uh, Freak on a Leash was definitely like my big breakthrough when I started drumming on this side of the spectrum. <laughs> and new metal definitely brought me into a whole world that I didn't even realize was so big. Because uh, you had like, you had your corn, you had your Slipknot, and all these other new metal bands. And that was kind of also my intro to like, like yeah. metal as well. Like, yeah. Like new metal stuff. Like I've, I've since then diversed myself into so many different subgenres I couldn't even count because they just keep popping up everywhere. <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely a vast genre-based main genre <laughs> genre genre <laughs> do you have any other like shows that come in mind when it's like the best shows you've seen the best shows i've seen so hands down the number one best show i've ever seen was lincoln park 30 seconds of mars and afi and that was a year before his passing unfortunately i did i was like oh that's fucking yeah, but uh, Lincoln Park is my all-time favorite band. Hell yeah! I actually I was supposed to see them on the the tour where he fell off stage and broke his leg. Yeah, they had to cancel that that tour, so it got like postponed. And yep. that was the year they ended up killing himself. Unfortunately, yeah. But that I actually did see him live though. I saw yeah. him when he was uh, filling in on vocals for Stone Temple Pilots. Oh, that was all, that was okay. My first concert I ever went to. Hell yeah! <laughs> that, so I wish I went. That was that was one I was debating on going to as well. I was like, Stone Temple, man. I haven't I haven't heard them tour in God knows how long, and now they're here, and I'm like, damn it, I missed it. <laughs> so, yeah. but that was that was definitely probably the best show I've ever seen. Thirty Seconds of Mars blew me out of the water. Loved them to death. I loved listening to them um, back in their prime, as I'm gonna say, because their new stuff I like. It. It's not bad, but it's not the it's not the kill. It's not like all the stuff off that. Off those earlier albums, that I, I fully agree with you there. Like, I I don't mind the new stuff. It's cool. I like it. But the the old AFI, the old Thirty Seconds, all the Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park had like a three hour set. It was nuts. So definitely my my top favorite. Um, others that come to mind were just going on. Honestly, just going over to the the Rock Allegiant shows. Um, Bear Tooth set was phenomenal. Oh, I they, love Bear Tooth. They uh, when they played in Camden at Rock Allegiance, it was probably such a sur- it was such a atmospheric environment because everyone there was engaged in their set. Everyone there was there for their set, and it was just like when they said "get on the ground," every single person got on the got on the ground, and they jumped up at the same time, and they were all moshing with each other. Like it was like almost like a five hundred person 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 mo- mosh pit. It was freaking nuts, but. Those two shows definitely stood out to me for the for the most part. Out of um, out of like crowd interactions and stuff like that, mm-hmm. out of the ones that you've seen or ones that you know, of, what's your favorite like crowd interaction from a band? From a band, so again, Rock Allegiance. I, I've I've seen so many bands, but those are like the prominent festivals I've been to. Um, it was Rock Allegiance 2015, their first season, season, their first year, and Corn was about to go on stage. They always start with blind as we all know we all love that that little ride symbol hit mm-hmm. and as soon as that curtain because they had like a huge curtain covering them right before the drop 
as soon as it dropped, the entire crowd was completely liquid. Everyone was moving around. If you watch the videos of it, it literally looked like waves in the crowd. It was nuts. Dude, the crowds and, for like for a lot of new metal is just it's insane. Like Slipknot, Corn, like a lot oh of stuff. God, like, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, look at Knotfest now. Like, yeah, we're we're seeing like thousands upon thousands of people there, just going absolutely apeshit. <laughs> so. Do you have any crazy mosquit stories? Any injuries? Um, never an injury. I have yet to get injured, so don't knock me on wood for that. I feel but. like <laughs> as of late, mosh pits have been pretty good with keeping people safe. Oh my god, yeah. Because like when they first started, like people would come out and have like a broken arm or something. Because that that's when people like really started going crazy mm-hmm. when like they first started happening. But now like people are like more concerned with like other people's safety and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. like nobody wants to go in a mosh pit and get hurt. They just want to kind of have fun. Yeah. So like it's a lot more like overall protected with like everybody. Like, everybody cares about each other in the mosh pit. Yeah. Like nobody wants to hurt you. They just want to have fun. Yeah. So the one story that comes to mind, I think it was like a. Born of Osiris show or something. It was at mm. One Center Square. Uh, rest in peace, that beautiful venue. Why did, oh. like, why did they get rid of it? I know, I know. And <laughs> big bands would play there, and like you could like get like right up to the stage, yeah. and stand over a, the stage, up such top. a phenomenal and, venue. And they're not like, is it gonna be turned into some like steakhouse? Yeah, it's gonna or? be like it's, a high end steakhouse. So from what I was told about it, um, and I'll get back on track with it. They were putting in apartments above it, and then there was, like, some storefront below. So it might be a steakhouse. might not be. I'm not yeah. sure. But that's what I last heard. But nothing's happened with it for the past six months. So yeah. I don't know. But anyways. I hope they changed um, mind. Yeah. The Born of Osiris show, I think. The there was a, We all know how small that venue used to be. There wasn't much space for moshing. And then oh, yeah. this one guy <laughs> went a little too hard, fell... I don't know what he was doing, but he fell face first and broke the bridge of his nose. Went to the bathroom, was starting to clean himself up. He didn't feel a thing. He was like, yeah, let's go. So once he cleaned himself up, stuffed the tissue in it, and he literally had the tissue in it still, he came right back out and started. Kept, he just kept going. Blood was everywhere. Oh, my goodness. But that was definitely probably, like, the most surreal moment of a mosh pit I've ever yeah, seen. There was... <laughs> there was Nothing bad happened. It was just really funny watching this. Uh, also at, at one center. Yeah. I was seeing uh, Suffocation. <sighs> I don't remember who else was there. It was like, it was Suffocation, Decrepit Birth, and then one of my buddies' bands. Um, I don't believe they're a thing anymore. They're like they're like a tech death metal band. Okay. Uh, they're called Abortion Distortion. Oh, okay. And my, one of my buddies was in the band and very light warming name <laughs> so um yeah in the mosh pit like for suffocation like they're like the headlining band like everybody went crazy for them and the whole mosh pit opened up and there was one guy that was like four foot ten had bright red hair was wearing like, a kilt and he was like doing like karate moves and everybody was like there's a leprechaun doing karate moves <laughs> my buddies used to call him carrot top i know exactly who you're talking about there's a guy who just like goes to shows Oh my gosh! Yeah, he was he, he was the man. Jesus also Jesus goes to all the shows. was phenomenal. Loved that guy to death. But no, Jesus uh, goes to the, all the metal shows. The the carrot top dude and the kilt, fucking hilarious dude. Tall as fuck too, but he was he was funny as hell. Every every one center square show he would always be there. Then uh, recently I've been seeing Santas show up to shows. <laughs> Freaking mall Santas! I swear to God. <laughs> 
my brother has like the worst luck when it comes to mosques. Like when he was younger, he would go to all these punk shows because he was in a punk band. Yeah. And I remember <clears throat> he like uh, I came home or something. And his eye, like, I've never seen an eye like this. It was, like, so swollen shut. I think one of his friends was having fun. <laughs> yeah. I was, like, shocked. I think he took, like, a lamp or something and hit my brother in the eye. Oh, my it. gosh. And then, what was this show? I have no idea. It was Definitely not weird. Connections. But <laughs> my brother went to go see Slipknot with a bunch of his friends, like, last year or something. And... My brother from the military has, like, knee problems. Okay. And so he goes through, like, all the uh, openers, whatever. He was just there to see Slipknot. And literally the first song uh, Slipknot plays, and my brother, like, purposely stays away from the mosh pit. It was, like, uh, a grass uh, floor, and uh, it was raining or something, so it was muddy. And, like, the first song, someone, like, pushes him so hard. And he ended up like jamming his knee or something. Oh gosh! And he had to leave at all. Oh friends. my god! The first song of Slipknot, and he was so upset. But yeah, that's why I don't mess with them. Even going to um, I've never been in like a mosh pit, but uh, I went to oh what was it uh, it was some rave type thing at uh one center. Oh, probably their uh, their hyperglow stuff. Yeah, yeah, I went to hyperglow, yeah. and um, that was in. Th- just like people just constantly pushing i was like oh, yeah. head to toe black and blue the next day like <laughs> you couldn't breathe it was so I, yeah, my, my first mosh pit was uh it was when i saw slayer on their final tour yeah i actually i actually ditched my mom for that so me and my mom got like nosebleed seats because like a lot of like the really good seats were like sold out yeah so me and my mom went there we're sitting there, like, the first, like, two bands were on. It was, like, Testament and, like, Behemoth or something like that. And then I got a text message from, like, one of my friends, like, taking a video of it. And I was like, you're here, too? So I went out, like, walked around trying to find them. It was at, like, a stadium. I don't remember where. But um, I went out and found them. It was a group of, like, five or six of my friends. And, um, like, they, they all got GA. And they all got, like, a, like an X on their hand, like, yeah. a mark on their hand that was, like, their NGA. But they didn't mark any of their actual tickets. So oh. one of my friends was like, I'll give you my ticket. And then you just, you just act like you're getting here late. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm doing it. So I show up. And then we all go down. Like they're showing like their hands are like marked and stuff. And the guy looks at me and I'm like, I'm like, I don't have my hand marked, but I have my ticket. And he's like, okay. So he, he marks my hand and then marks the ticket. Yeah. So I, I don't think he saw that I'm yeah. with me last time. So he's like, oh, I'll mark the tickets. I can't bring other people in. But, um, yeah, I went in. My first mosh pit ever was to Slayer. I didn't, I wasn't in the mosh pit for the whole time. Yeah. I was in the mosh pit for specifically Angel Death. <laughs> and it was so funny because, like, it was like a circle pit for like, the entire song. And then right when that, like, drum break came in, like, the end of the song, everybody stopped. Oh, yeah. And waited for it. And when the drums come back and dun, 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 then everybody started going crazy again. It was, it was so funny. Actually, uh, I was like in a, in the circle pit, running around with my friends, and I bumped into some guy, put my arm around him. I looked at him. It was another one of my friends. I didn't I didn't know was there, and I was like, "You're here!" And he's like, "What? You're here?" We started freaking out. It was Fuck so yeah. funny. Wow. 
That was my first mosh pit, though. My first mosh pit was unintentional. It was at the uh, the I'm King Stargazer show. It was during Stargazer set, and my buddy saw that I was like, this is like my first literal metal show. I've never seen metal in my entire life, and he was like, "Yo, you want to go?" Yeah, sure, why not? And we're sit, me and him are standing on the side, right in front of the speaker, and he just throws me in. Like he picks me up and plants me in the middle of the pit and i'm just moving around like crazy not not knowing what the hell i'm doing there i'm wearing like a polo or something because i don't know what the fuck i'm doing <laughs> so that was that was my first initial pit experience and then i got i was somehow being crowd surfed to the back it was it was weird it was a weird vibe but it was definitely definitely cool and surreal and from there i just kind of do my thing <laughs> all right circling back to your music yeah um so when you're practicing are you typically nowadays just doing what your band's doing or what do you like to play so outside of that uh when i'm practicing alone i do a lot of other songs that are not our bands uh just because i'd rather diverse myself and if i want if i want to pull other ideas from other songs to incorporate into the songs i'm going to be writing i need to see what's already being played as well as making sure that I stand out. On top of that, I do practice our songs a lot just because I want to get them as fine-tuned as possible, especially the new ones that we're writing. This next one sounds phenomenal. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely a fun process going through like trying to learn all these other songs because I, I want to post them on YouTube and get them all recorded and shit. It's all, it's all fun to do that and then down the line you'll have more to to write down (laughs) but practicing alone versus practicing with the band like when we're practicing together we run through whatever set we're doing at the time and then if we have some time to fuck around with some other songs that we haven't played in a while or songs that we're looking into playing for the first time together like cover songs versus our songs as well like it just all depends on the the time and circumstance because like this this next set that we're gonna have for the next two shows coming up in june july um definitely the biggest set that i've played with them (laughs) uh we're going from like a five song to a seven song set which is pretty cool a lot of our heavier faster songs on top of a cover which is going to be very exciting so trying to fine-tune everything on my own and with them as well when you um when you like practice at home like you said like you like to um play other songs to like kind of like yeah diversify yourself like what are some of the like go-to songs of like other genres that you like to practice so everyone's true and tried favorite sleep token their their drummer is absolutely and freaking insane i got to see them before they blew up uh, when they were on the issues tour with polyphia at reverb right before covid and holy hell watching just watching him drum alone i wish he would say his name so i can look him up (laughs) but he goes by two anyways love that drummer to death he is a phenomenal drummer um i do venture into a lot of like your issues your ice nine kills your of mice and men sleeping in silence pierce the veil your standard typical emo shit um but then I also try to go into more like the faster paced stuff, like the older uh, Veil of Maya from the Matriarch album and stuff like that. Uh, just to not only build up my own chops and build up my own stamina, but to challenge myself. 
for lack of better words. I was trying to think of something wittier. <laughs> and any other like, like very different genres like reggae. Uh, like, back to oh, jazz if we're gonna like if we're that. gonna go into other genres, shit. I've I've played, I've played to a lot of T Pain. <laughs> T Pain, okay. T Pain was definitely a fun experience just because I I can do whatever the hell I want. He doesn't mm-hmm. have many drum tracks or yep. any like beat tracks to him. Um, I've done a lot of Justin Timberlake, a lot of Katy Perry. Love me some KP. Um, Taylor Swift, she's fun, just to cool down to, like a nice little one and two. <laughs> um, I've done a little bit of country, like Florida Georgia Line, Morgan Wallen. Um, what's the other one? Darius Rucker. Yeah, love me some Darius. But kind of just drumming to whatever's there. I have I have this one this one cover out. Oh, two. One of them, Silent Planet, and then the other one goes straight into, like, Mac Miller. <laughs> so, and that was a one take, so that was fun. But I can, I've I've done a little bit of everything. I've done a little reggae within uh, Damian Marley, not Bob. Uh, love me some Damian Marley. <laughs> yeah, a little fun fact about What's da- up? Damian Marley, he's actually my third cousin. No fucking shot. <laughs> It, Holy shit! We, weird connection, but yeah, he's he's actually my third cousin. Holy hell! Well, You've now never met him. N- never not met yet. Him. I, I, not I, yet. Not I yet. I have <laughs> literally no connections with him, but I just know he's my third cousin. Good for you. That's fucking <laughs> sick. That's just dope to say alone. Like, come on, <laughs> Damian Marley, man. <laughs> Holy fuck! But no, I've definitely uh, I've definitely had some fun. <laughs> um. When it comes to drums, I know he has like a dream drum kit. Do you have something like that? I have a very minuscule mindset for my dream drum kit. The one I'm using right now, it's a uh, it's a brand called Tay T A Y E, and I use a five shell kit, uh, snare, three toms in my bass. I only run two crashes, a china, a ride, and my hi hat. Nothing crazy. Um. It gets it gets me everywhere I need to be. I don't have to worry about having all these extra auxiliary pieces. Uh-huh. Like I I love me. I would love to have a stack like a nice little tiny stack, uh, kind of like the blue collar one that mine will just put out with him not too long ago. But that is expensive. <laughs> but um, I don't I don't want anything like over-the-top crazy, kind of like how Corn Ray Luzier's yeah. drum kit is or Jay Weinberg or anything yeah. of that nature. Just because it's, it's honestly just too much. Yeah. Like, you can do so much with how much, how little you have. Yeah. Within, yeah, yeah. oh, stop. You know <laughs> have to check out his in the other room. It's literally the, like. The one in the room, that, that's my smaller version. So Oh, gosh. Um. So when I gig, I gig with a pretty like minimalist kit, like yeah. two toms, kick drum, like two crashes, ride high at like not not too much. It's like what you need. Yeah, what you need for the show. And then for like my basement jam stuff, like oh, the God. kit that I used to have, <laughs> I called it the Beast because it literally had every piece of equipment I had on it at once. Let's mm-hmm. see if I can. I, I haven't had it set up in like two years. Let's see if I can remember. Yeah, so you, I had, you don't have to go through it. You don't. No, I, I have to go through it. So. <laughs> So I had two kick drums, a snare, and an auxiliary snare, hi-hat, and then auxiliary hi-hat. I had two rides. I had four crashes, two chinas, five splashes. My God. <laughs> um, a, a chopper. You know what a chopper is? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, had a, I, I had used a those chopper, in drum lines. And then I had 
Um, I had a I have a little six inch Bell, and then I had an Octopad, like the oh, electronic Octopad. Yo, I, so I I haven't had that set up in such a long time though, but like I kind of miss it because I had anything I would need for any sound that I needed. Those are probably the only two things I would add additional to my kits is a, is a bell and, and some sort of sound pad. Just because the having, sound pads are really nice. Just having that extra like, you know, just any sound they can put onto that pad is just phenomenal, and it just makes the, it makes the whole set and the whole live performance just greater. Yeah. After uh, after this, I actually show you like the the back like jam space. I have, like, oh, absolutely. It's like, a, it's like a DIY studio, so it's <laughs> it's, it's very messy. So I only have a limited amount of space, and it's all like in that little well, that's space. Just, but, that's just life of a musician. It, I mean, <laughs> if I if I know where everything is, and everything works. I mean, it, it's good. So exactly, everything does its job. It might look messy, but if it works, it works. Exactly. What would you say is like the most difficult drum skill that you've ma- like learned or mastered? I w- mastering mastering is quite the word but i i'm definitely still learning uh blast beats a lot of a lot of like really fast paced like blasting whether it's my hands or my feet um it's i'm not the best with repetition unfortunately anymore (laughs) i used to be really 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 good at it but now i'm just i've kind of dialed back just because i wanted to do more intricate articulated sounds i'm kind of the same way yeah like i i can i can blast for a little bit i can do it for what the time it's needed i've definitely gotten a lot better um going from my right hand my left hand uh both feet one foot it just depends on the demand for the song i still don't know how y'all do the double bass thing (laughs) it it was a challenge for me so even even before so i'd never even touched a double bass um in my life before eastern fall as soon as i joined i bought i had to buy myself a double bass because i was like (laughs) you know what this is needed it's in their songs i I need to do this like, would... I used to do everything on my right pedal only, like uh. all that faster drumming within learning other songs. And there's there's a lot of fast songs out there, and trying to do that all through one one foot, having that leg cramp up every day, it was it was terrible. And going trying to teach myself like within a week span on how to play a double bass was definitely an experience for me, and I'm very happy I did it because now I can just go at it however yeah. I want. But it's it was definitely a learning curve for sure. When it comes to uh, playing blast beats, is there a specific type of blast beat that you go to, or just like your standard like right, left, right, left? Um, I do a lot. I keep time mainly with my left hand. Currently, I don't try to. I don't do like your, uh, not not triplets. What's the what's the fourth, sixteenth note patterns? I don't do like all that crazy stuff with my just splitting my right and left hand. Um, I mainly just blast with my right hand, and I do do like eighth notes on a double bass just to keep it nice and simple. Just because I'm still I'm still trying to get everything on mm-hmm. on board with it. And I want it to sound at least clean when I'm playing it. Yeah. Because if it sounds sloppy, it just it just ruins everything, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I've I've dived into a bunch of like different stuff with like standard like blast beat like sixteenth mm-hmm. on the hands, like just keeping like eighth notes on the feet and stuff like that, and then like uh. What's the word? What are the other ones? There's hammer, hammer blast beats. Have you messed around with those at all? I have not. I so hammer terrified. blast beats are tough because that's when you like play with both hands mm-hmm. like together. So yeah, yeah, like that's tough, especially when you go fast. Just oh trying not to flam everything. Literally though, fast like that. But then um, 
one that I just learned is Gravity Blast. Have you seen those before? I've I've seen like on, like, I've the seen snare. Them. Yeah, it's like, it's I, such I can, a weird. I can do it, but I can't do it well. It's such a weird feel in your hand though. Like you're you're trying yeah. to rebound off something that's not there, kind of. Yeah. So it's it's like you're just like touching the rim like very clearly. gently, but I don't understand people get like such loud volume out of it. So there's like like an inch of movement that happens not like a full like like swing and rebound and stuff so like getting well, the same volume from just like a little like so one thing i learned touch. during high school because uh, i was i was in marching band and i also did indoor drum corps um i was i was a center marimba and we had certain level like play levels for how our mallet height would be from and we go in intervals of three so three to 15 i believe it was yeah three to 15 and no matter what height you were at, it all just depends on the force that you're putting down. And I guess that kind of ties in with, like, your gravity death blasting. Because, mm-hmm. like, you can have, like, a three-inch space, but you're if you're putting in that force and still driving it in, you're going to get that, that tone that you're looking for. And then going into post, you can mess around with it however you want. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's a lot of different intricate things that you can do within just a small amount of space, a small amount of movement. As long as the force is there, you're mm-hmm. you're chilling. So, what's your practice schedule like? So, with Eastern Fall, we practice once a week currently, um, every Tuesday. I, outside of them, I can I just practice whenever I want, just because I have my I have my setup at home. I have like a small little in house studio, uh, with my electric kit at home. I leave my acoustic with uh, the band house, <laughs> where where we practice and all. So it's it's a fun little time. <laughs> nothing crazy though. Nothing demanding. I, I have too many kids. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have uh, I have a. It's not my kit, but there's a kit at like the airspace practice place. Yeah. Um, and then I have three acoustic kits, and I have like small like pieces of other kits. Like I have like a yep. kick drum just by itself that I just accumulated over periods of time. Yeah. Like toms here and there, like left and right. Yeah. And then I have um, my electric kit that I just got, like just after Christmas. Ooh, okay. I uh. Not yet. Ah. <laughs> so I'm only rocking right now. I used to have another. Like I used to have two electric kits. I just got rid of one because it died out on me. Um, I have personally off that I own. I own two acoustics. Um, one of them is the Tay. The other one is a very, very vintage Zildjian Borg. When a Zildjian kit. A Zildjian kit. I didn't know they Dead made ass. kits. It was the only kit that I've ever found from Zildjian. And my grandfather gave it to me uh, when he passed away as well. And then from Dorney, <laughs> I share a kit with um, another another person that worked there with me. And he currently is holding on to it right now, but we share an acoustic kit as well. And then he has his Why don't you do the um, drum show at Dorney? I, so... One thing about me that everyone either finds out eventually or already knows, I am deathly terrified of bees. And Dorney has plenty of them. <laughs> and it's all outdoor shows. So I could never I could never do the, the daytime stuff for them. As much as I would love to, and I've been offered it at least once so far, it's just not anything in my cards personally. And plus I have a lot of other things I do that I'm already yeah. committed to outside of my work life. Plus it's like an outside company. It is. Yeah, they've they've transferred away from doing in-house stuff to going into uh, some other ventures, but that's not for me to talk on. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. You didn't have your In Chord Stalkers. Wait, in Clark Carnival. Yeah. Going back to Haunt. Uh you played the drums at some point, correct? So <laughs> jokingly I did. I when I would um so I just a preface for whoever's listening. I uh, I've worked for Dorney for God knows how long. I, that was my first job in 2014 as Foods. I did it for two years in Foods, and from there, from 2016 to now, I've been working the Halloween stuff just because I love Halloween. I love anything horror, gore, anything in between. That's my favorite season, favorite holiday. Hands down, love me some horror. Um, I've worked in Carnival for five years, and they had this one drum show that they brought out through a company called Windish. And during their set, I would bring out a bucket and I would bring my own sticks. And they didn't they didn't have any intentions of this. It was just how it worked. It was, they would bring um, two, of their, two of their performers out to the crowd and like do like snare drum stuff, like marching snare. And I would basically mock them as a clown, but also still playing within their time because I kind of over time learned their show. And it was just – it was a really cool experience. And then I would like be drumming on like – trash cans and like on the ground and shit it was a good time it was a fun time it definitely it was definitely a a weird a weirder scare factor just because who goes to dorney to see a clown drum on stupid shit (laughs) like it's like it's kind of like stomp stuff you know Mm -hmm. and then from there i would go in and just start scaring the shit at people (laughs) oh what a place all right well do you want to uh shout out some stuff you're doing now uh, so right now we have two shows coming up, one of them in Catasauqua called Rebirth Fest, the other one um, being headlined on July 1st by What Was Me and Picturesque, and I believe Dead Eyes just got added on to that, so that's going to be pretty cool, very excited for those. Uh, we have an, e- an EP coming out, eventually, it's currently in the works, we're writing it, we just finished the one song, um, demo-wise at least, but we're, we're, getting, we're getting a couple songs rolling for that, we're going to be heading up to our to our producers for that which is gonna be exciting other than that it's kind of just rolling with the flow rolling with the punches <laughs> very fun do you have anything to add uh no not really <laughs> okay. I- i'm gonna to get this Wrap wrapped up. up all right well thank you for coming on thanks for having yeah. me appreciate First y'all drummer? hell yeah only had guitar players and singers yeah really, yeah so. <laughs> We're, we are a dying few. <laughs> but, all right, let's wrap it up. All right. See you guys.